Good morning, everybody. How is everyone doing this morning? Good, two thumbs up, one thumb up, two thumbs up, good. Well, if you haven't already turned there yet, we're gonna be in Luke 12, so you can turn in your Bibles to that chapter. And for those of you who might not know me, I am Cyrus, and I get to work with the youth ministry here at Grace Chapel, and it is so much fun. This Friday, we're gonna be staying up all night. And I am really excited for it. I actually am really excited for it. I'm not excited for Saturday, the next day, being very tired. <clears throat> but so, um, since I get to work with the youth group, we are going to treat this morning's service as kind of a little bit more fun. See, I try to make things fun in youth group, and sometimes on Sunday, it's good to have a little bit of fun. So I'm gonna have a couple questions for you guys. I'm gonna have a couple uh, times for you guys to fill in the blank of what I'm saying. I'm gonna ask you guys to raise your hands sometimes. And it's gonna be a lot of fun. So you guys ready? All right, cool. Here's my first couple of questions for you. Raise your hand if you like the movies. All right, raise your hand if you like McDonald's. I do. Okay, those, those two questions didn't actually matter. Um, <clears throat> here's one that does, though. Raise your hand if you really just love waiting for something. All right, we got two hands raised, cool. While I was preparing for this sermon, I didn't think that anybody would raise their hand. I was wrong, but waiting is hard, isn't it? The Christmas season is coming upon us, and I was thinking about Christmas, and I was thinking about waiting, which has to do with today's sermon. And when I was younger, my dad, he worked a job where every other Christmas he would have to work until 4 p.m. And what that meant for us kids was that we had to wait all the way until 4 o'clock on Christmas Day to open up our presents. And it was hard to wait. We would wake up in the morning, and we'd walk down our steps, and there's a tree with a bunch of presents underneath it, but we couldn't open any of the presents until four o'clock that afternoon. So that whole day I spent waiting and anticipating what I was going to be getting in that box full of presents. And it was, it was a tough thing, it was a tough thing to wait. But it always made the present opening so much better when we finally got to open them all together with every one of our family members there with us. Waiting's not always fun, but we have to do it sometimes. Last week, Pastor Matt, he talked about the do's and don'ts of wise investing. If you were here, you might remember that. This week, you could say that we're talking about the do and the don't of wise waiting. This section of Luke that we read just moments ago, it jumps into the theme of waiting for the Son of Man to return. Jesus tells his disciples to wait and watch for his return, and in doing so, he also has a message for the people around, to not waste the time that they have been given. So before we read a little bit more of our passage, let's set a little background for it. Let's understand what's going on. So Jesus has been speaking to the crowds of people in this portion of Luke, and every once in a while, he'll turn and he'll talk just to his disciples, the ones that are the closest to him, the 12 that are going to go and then start up the church once Jesus has ascended. And here, in our passage, Jesus continues to do that. 
And whenever Jesus is talking, he's giving super wise advice, and he's also speaking of what's to come. And I think it's super cool to read what Jesus' words were because it's so easy to apply that to our life. Because while we might not be the 12 disciples that were with Jesus following him around, we are followers of Jesus. We are Jesus' disciples. That's what disciple means. So the truth of this passage today is still relevant to us, and we're going to see that. So let's read together verses 35 to 40 of Luke chapter 12. It says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Waiting for Jesus' return is a call to action. And in these verses, there's two main ideas that Jesus is pointing out to those around him. One is a thing to do while waiting, and one is a thing not to do while waiting. The first couple verses of this section say to stay ready to open a door to their master. If you're waiting to open a door for somebody, then you're going to be watching for them, correct? Correct? Yes, thank you. In Matthew's account of this story, in the NIV version of the Bible, we see, put it, very, we see it put very simply. Wow. My bad, my bad, guys. Matthew 24, 42 says, Therefore keep watch in the beginning of Matthew's account of this story. To watch, it's an action, and meaning that you are doing something. Notice in verse 36 that Jesus tells the disciples to be like men waiting for their master. You know what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say, be like men that are waiting around for their master. Waiting around would give off, give off this connotation of just sitting around waiting for somebody to show up. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, be like people that are waiting for their master. Watching for Jesus' return is an action word because there's a task to be done while the disciples are waiting and watching. And this watching for Jesus involves two parts. The first is watching readily. It's up on the screen. Jesus uses two sets of quick parables to show this to those around him. They are both a little bit different, but they're very, very short. But they give off the same theme and the same idea. And that idea is to be ready. The first parable, it shows servants waiting and watching for their master to come back. The second shows a house owner not leaving his house to be broken into. Both of the stories are connected by one verse. It's verse 40, and here's one of those youth group tasks for you guys. We're going to try to do something. How many of you actually have your Bible open right now? Hold it up in the air if it's open. All right, now read to me verse 40. Ready, set, go. You will also... 
Nice job, everybody. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Good job, pat yourself on the back. But this verse, it's the connecting verse of the two parables that Jesus just said. They're here, the, the parables are there to show the disciples that they must be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Jesus uses these two parables to show that nobody knows when he's coming back. And since they don't know, here's what they should do. You should be ready. You should stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. I think it's fun to dissect verse 35. The words stay dressed for action, they can be traced back to a saying that meant to gird your loins. In much simpler terms, that means to tie up what can trip you up. How many of you have ever tried to run around and you're wearing pants that are not made to run? It's not easy to run around if you're wearing pants. Or if you think of uh, a lady that's getting married, if she were to try and run around in her big, huge wedding dress, it wouldn't work very well, right? No, she'd have to tie up what can trip her up so that she could be ready to run. And that's kind of what the image is. The image is saying, clear the stuff out of the way so that you are ready to run. You're ready to go right when it's time to go. Now I have to take a moment because gird your loins is fun to say and I want to in involve you guys in my fun. So turn to your neighbor and say, gird your loins, my friend. And then turn to them and say, I'm not weird. It just means to stay ready. Now say, stay ready, my friend. Good job. <clears throat> but for real, guys, Jesus is saying to stay ready at all times. And now the second part of that verse says, keep your lamps burning. How many of you, and there's another hand raising thing, how many of you within the last week use an olive oil lamp? I didn't think so. I didn't either. And when I was studying this passage, I learned that back in, in Jesus' times, that's the type of lamp that they would have used, an olive oil lamp. And so I went onto YouTube and I searched up videos of how an olive oil lamp works. And I watched a few different videos of people putting together an olive oil lamp. And the one thing that I learned was that an olive oil lamp needs to constantly have olive oil in it if it's gonna keep on shining. You have to continue to tend to this lamp. You have to continue to put olive oil in it if it's going to keep on shining. So if we think that Jesus is telling his disciples that he's coming back, that he's going to be gone for a little and then return, then we can understand that there are things to be done while he's gone. There's things that we, that the disciples can do to stay ready for Jesus' return. There's things that the disciples can do to keep their lamps burning, to keep their lamps full of olive oil. As believers today, we are also waiting for Jesus' return. And what a glorious day that's going to be. But there's things that we need to be doing to stay dressed, to stay ready, and to keep our lamps burning. Things we need to be doing to be constantly shining bright like an olive oil lamp while waiting for Jesus to come back.
The truth is, Jesus is coming back, and it could even be today, or it could not be today, and it could be uh, after our life here is over. But either way, Jesus has given you a task. And are you ready? Are you watching readily by doing that task? After Jesus explains to the disciples to stay ready, Peter then asks a question, and Jesus gives an answer. It's kind of an answer, but we're going to see what it is. So we're going to read verses 41 to verse 53 now. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. There will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Peter asks a question, and Jesus doesn't answer it directly. We're actually going to come back to figure out why Jesus doesn't answer it directly. But let's look at what Jesus does say. The answer that he gives, it still has the theme of waiting for Jesus' return. But it's slightly different. You see, this section shows the listeners to be waiting, and while waiting, you should watch faithfully. Jesus, he elaborates more on how he will put people in charge while he's gone. Those people that are in charge are, are going to have tasks. And in this parable, the task is caring for the household, doing things like giving their portion of food at the right time, doing the will of the master. The master has entrusted these servants in the parable with this task, and The rest of Jesus' answer to Peter involves a warning for what is to come. So we can look at it this way in the verses. The master, he has left, and the servants are expected to do what they have been asked and do it rightfully. However, one servant might think to himself that the master isn't coming back for a while, so maybe he could cheat a little bit or have some fun. He can stop watching faithfully and start watching for himself. But for that servant, there's going to be consequences, Jesus is saying. There will be consequences for the servants who do not do what their master has asked them to do. And then Jesus throws in this section of verses about how he came to cast fire on the earth. And the the part about how he came to bring division and not peace. And for for a while I wondered, 
Why is that portion of verses right here in Luke's Gospel? And it occurred to me, it occurred to me that while there is a task to be done, there are going to be things that are against the people doing those tasks. Things that will try to divide their attention, even within their own house, even amongst their own family, there's going to be things that are standing in the way. And so I believe that's why that's right here, to show that there is this task to be done, but there's surely going to be things that make it mightily hard to finish that task. Jesus wants the people that he's talking to to understand that the task at hand while waiting for his return is important and to neglect the work that the master has given you, it has bad consequences. Jesus says in verse 48 that to whom the master entrusted much, they will demand the more. I couldn't help but think that while I was reading that verse, that it sounds very similar to something that comes from a superhero movie that a lot of us know about. Can somebody tell me what Uncle Ben says to Spider-Man? Go ahead, Stefa. Say it for the people all the way back there to hear you. With great power comes great responsibility. The verse is very similar to that. If you're given a lot, you're going to be asked a lot. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. Believers, you guys, us, we're given a lot. We're given a task to be done, and we're even given Holy Spirit power to do that task. But with that power comes a responsibility to do what God has put us here to do. So, going back to the start of this section of verses, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Did Jesus answer Peter? He did. He answered by showing Peter that there is going to be a lot of people who will hear and read this section and that whoever the hearer is, it applies to them. Whoever hears it should take it to heart because this stuff is serious. Guys, while waiting for Jesus' return, watch. Watch readily and watch faithfully. Now we're going to jump into the last section of verses in today's passage. And... Mr. Dave Metz already read it for us. Thank you very much, Dave. But we're going to read it again. Verses 54 through 59. Give me two thumbs up if you're ready to read God's Word. There we go. All right, verses 54 to 59. Let's do it. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, 
lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. After Jesus has finished answering Peter, he turns to the crowd, and he has a bit of a warning for them to judge the time right and to settle your accounts. I don't know if you guys know this, but the first century did not have a weather channel. They didn't have an app on your phone that you could just open up and see, oh, okay, I should wear a coat today because it's gonna be cold. No, but what they did have is they knew things about the way that the earth worked and they knew that if a cloud formed in the west over the Mediterranean Sea, which was to the west of them, that, that meant that rain was on the way. So they would get ready for rainy days. And if a warm wind blew south from the Arabian desert, that meant a heat wave was coming. Jesus rebuked these people because they knew how to discern the weather but not the present time. And notice how it says in those verses, it says, the present time, which is singular, meaning that Jesus isn't talking about discerning multiple seasons or multiple times. No, he's talking specifically about his day because the rebuke that he has for these crowds is for those not recognizing that he is the Messiah. If they knew as much about spiritual matters as they did about the weather, then they would have embraced Jesus in that time being there. Instead, they could tell that it would be hot outside. They could recognize when the weather was going to change. They could predict a storm was coming. They could identify a good day for planting and a good day for harvesting, but they couldn't tell when the Messiah was in their midst. How can we apply that to us? Well, I think it's kind of tragic that today people, we can put people on the moon, we can put satellites into space, we can split atoms. I shouldn't say we because I did not know how to do one of those things. But people can do that. People can perform heart transplants or there's going to be some surgeons that are going uh, to work on my brother's back in a week and they're potentially going to solve a problem that has hindered him for like the past seven years of his life, a pain that runs down his leg. And this weekend, doctors are able to go into his back and fix that pain. People today can do all of those things, but a lot of them are blind to what God is doing in the world. Just like Jesus was saying in the first century, to the listeners that he's talking to. He can say the same thing to us. Are you blind to what he's doing today in the world? Jesus follows up with a section of verses talking about settling with your accuser. This section of verses points to the final judgment that is still to come even today. There's going to be a time where it's too late. So the only right time to settle with your accuser is right now. Guys, that's pointing to, to settling your life with Jesus. We've all done wrong things. We've all sinned and we've fallen short 
of God and of his perfection. And God didn't like that, so he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross. And Jesus is speaking to these people, and a little while later, he's actually going to go to the cross. And three days after that, he's going to rise again. And that's the gospel message, and a lot of you know that. But the thing is, people only have a lifetime to understand that because of what Jesus did, they can have a relationship with God. But if, if, those, if people don't understand that before their life here is over, then it's too late. You may have friends who are wasting the time that they have right now. You might be wasting the time of waiting for Jesus' return. So what are you going to do about it? You don't have eternity to figure it out. You have a lifetime on earth to figure it out. And if you don't, guys, eternity is going to be spent on the wrong side of the judge's hammer. Think of your friends who may not know Jesus. They don't have eternity to figure it out. They have a lifetime on earth to figure it out. And if they don't, then eternity will be spent on the wrong side of the judge's hammer. It's, it's a scary thing to think about. But the cool thing to think about is that God doesn't want it that way. And that God's given you a task, and he's given all of us a task to do, and that is to go and share the good news with people so that it's not too late for them. So here we are in life, and we just heard a teaching from Jesus in the book of Luke about what to do while waiting for his return. We live watching and not wasting. You see, if you live thinking that Christ could come back at any moment because you don't know the day or the hour, then it will change how you live. It will change every thought. It will change what you watch. It will change how you talk to your parents. It will change how you talk to your kids. It will change how you talk to your coworkers. It will change how you work. Living knowing that Jesus could come back at any moment can change your entire life. And that's what Jesus is saying here to his followers. The Lord could be coming at any moment, so you ought to be doing what the Lord wants you to be doing. I know this much after reading these verses, and that's that I want to be doing what Jesus wants me to be doing when he returns. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your words. Thank you for the gift of your son, Lord. Thank you for wanting to be in a relationship with us, Lord. Father, we praise you for how good you are and how holy you are, Lord. And I just, I pray and ask that after hearing what your words are, Lord, that we would feel uh, led to grasp onto the task that you've given us, Lord, the task that is at hand. I pray that we would watch readily and faithfully, Lord, and that we wouldn't waste the time here that you've given us. Lord, you're awesome. And we pray all of this in your son's name. And everybody in the church said...
Amen. Thanks, guys.